What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. The Los Angeles Lakers have been rolling since the trade deadline and are eyeing a playoff spot with the end of the regular season nearing. With that in mind, my next guest, former colleague and friend, Jovan Buha of The Athletic, joins me to break down what's changed since the Lakers moved Russell Westbrook when LeBron James could return, and we'll take a look at the futures of Rui Hachimura, Malik Beasley, Austin Reeves, and more on the latest edition of the Hoops High Podcast. Yovan, I appreciate you coming on, brother. How's everything your way in LA? Everything's good, man. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure, brother. Um, well, you know, when Russell Westbrook was there, he said, just keep having fun, bro. And the, <laughs> and the Lakers are having fun again. They're winning. Um Winning solves everything. But, you know, Yovan, I just kind of want to quickly get this out of the way. But, like, you being there daily, in your estimation, what do you think has been the biggest difference for the Los Angeles Lakers since Russell Westbrook has been traded? Yeah, well, uh, I, I think they're having a lot more fun now with, with, with the winning they've been doing since the trade deadline. Uh, but I think it's it's really, you know, it's twofold where, where one um, – you know, the, the rust situation obviously got to a, a bit of an ugly point where I think it, it was kind of known on both sides that the, the partnership was inevitably going to end at some point, be it, uh, you know, I, I, many thought it was going to end over the summer and they were going to trade him either for Kyrie Irving or, or for uh, Miles Turner and, and Buddy Heald or, or potentially a different package. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, you know, they, they got to the one yard with the Pacers uh, before training camp started, as we reported at the athletic and then, you know, it kind of became, okay, is it, is it going to be, uh, the, the trade deadline or is it just going to be in the off season? And like, it, it just, it felt like it was an inevitable ending. And I think that kind of hung over the Lakers head for, you know, that, that first half of the season or even more than half the season that they had him. Uh, and obviously Russell Westbrook, uh, is a you know, future first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a very proud player, and I don't think he loved you know the the rumors and, and the the negative attention that he was having to to face and and deal with because of the situation. So I really think for both sides, uh, it was you know there was just a sense of relief and uh, kind of a you know let let's go our separate ways and and really we're both going to be better off. And I, I think you've seen that where. Uh, Russ has now gone to a better situation with the Clippers where, where he fits in. Uh, you know, he, he was basically recruited there, obviously, uh, in, in the media by Paul George, who he played with in OKC, but also Ty Lue and, and some of the other players in the locker room. Uh, so I, I think he went to a situation where, you know, now he's the starter. He, he's routinely playing 30 minutes a night. Uh, and and I, I think he's just in a, a better spot for him. And then for the Lakers, uh, they were able to flip him for, you know, basically three starters. Uh, and and really upgrade their rotation, add some depth, add some shooting, as uh, we we saw against the the Pelicans on on Tuesday night, where uh, you know they they hit a franchise record 15 threes in the first half. Malik Beasley hit seven threes. Uh, so you know Jared Vanderbilt has had some moments. D'Angelo Russell's had some big games. So like I just think the pieces that they added really are, are a complementary around LeBron and AD. You need shooting around those guys. D'Lo and and Malik do that. You also need some dirty work, athleticism, size in the front court. Jared Vanderbilt checks all those boxes. So I really think 
you know, for, for the Lakers, it's, it's been just kind of moving on from all the, the, just the drama and, and lack of clarity with the rust situation. And then also adding in some young pieces that have really fit in well. And I think have, have you know, already complimented LeBron and AD in ways that just Russ couldn't because of his skill set and, and sort of what the Lakers were asking from him. So, uh, Again, I, I don't think any of this is necessarily new information, but I, I do think uh, it, it's as you know, as time you know, and distance from the trade, I think we're starting to see more and more just the impact of, of moving on from that situation and, and what it's done for the Lakers. They've certainly made the roster more well-rounded. It's ironic. It's almost like they did the opposite of what they did when they got him from Washington and they gave up a lot of pieces around the core there. But um, certainly I think for them, and we're going to talk about a lot of these guys coming up, but I, I would agree with your assessment on the on the rush trade. I, I certainly think Jared Vanderbilt for them is an incredible value. Uh, you know, next year he's only going to cost like four point seven million. That's it's crazy. <laughs> that, that's that's a bargain. And um, you know, I don't think this is much of a spoiler alert, but only I believe only at least on our hoop type salary pages uh, for the Lakers, three hundred thousand of that is guaranteed. I'll give you a little spoiler alert. That's going to get fully guaranteed. That's a bargain. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll get into D'Lo and and Malik Beasley's situation coming up, but. Um, it's interesting how they went from kind of that path. And, you know, you heard a lot of stuff about LeBron wanting Kyrie Irving at a certain point and certainly publicly defending him. And it seems like with a lot of these moves that they've, uh, and I'm not just talking about this trade. I'm also talking about the acquisition of Rui Hachimura um, and giving up the, the three second round picks that they did to get him. Uh, he's going to be a restricted free agent, but it certainly seems like Yovan, they've, they are, pivoting away from that type of a move with, with Kyrie when you look ahead towards the off season and you look at, you know, his future, whether it's in Dallas or somewhere else. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as I reported uh, around the trade deadline, they were interested in Kyrie Irving. They made what they felt was a competitive offer. Uh, when it got to the point that Brooklyn was basically asking for every tradable asset or, or close to that, uh, you know, they they felt it was just too much, you know, given all the uncertainty that, that kind of comes with Kyrie and, and just, uh, you know, so some of the ways that uh, things have played out the last few years. And, you know, so I, I think that was kind of the. You, you can never say never in this league, because we, as we've seen, you know, Katie wanted to go to the Suns, then he wanted to stay in Brooklyn and then he, you know, they had the whole kind of secret negotiation that happened before you got traded there. So like, I think as we've seen in this league, anything can happen at any time and you never want to fully write something off. But uh, you know, from what I've been told uh, from, you know, my sources around the organization uh, you know, they want to run this situation back and uh, you know, we'll see how things play out. I mean, obviously it's, it's looked good so far and you know, they've, won a lot of games. They've been doing a lot of the winning without LeBron James. And, you know, that that's something that I, I think has kind of gone under discussed where like the non LeBron minutes had always been an issue for the Lakers going back to his first year in LA, even the championship season, they struggled with him off the floor, uh, you know, aside from in the bubble, but like really, you know, outside of that you know, couple months, the Lakers have always struggled when LeBron has been off the floor and this group has found a way to win without LeBron and win those minutes and stay competitive. So I think you're just looking at that fact alone, like 
that I think this group has really meshed well together. It's uh, you know, this is my third season on the beat. This is the the best chemistry and and just vibes I've seen around the team. And I, I think you you see it during the games, just the the bench interactions and uh, you, you know, you feel it in the locker room. There's just like a levity in there. So I, I do think the Lakers are going to largely run this back with most of the, the, you know, impending free agents that they've have, um, you know, of course there might be a couple tweaks uh, around the edges, but you know, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, like all these guys are guys they want to keep. And uh, of course, you know, you can want to keep someone. And then w- once you see that, that asking price or, or kind of what else is out there, ultimately that might change, but you know, the, the plan as of right now, heading into the offseason is to run this back, is to retain most, if not all of those guys. And yeah, and yeah. so for, from what I've been told, uh, they're not going to be pursuing Kyrie Irving uh, this offseason. Of course, that could change. We'll, we'll see how the rest of the regular season plays out. We'll see what happens in the postseason if they make it. Uh, but to, to my you know knowledge and, and to what I've been told, uh, the, the Kyrie ship, I think, has sailed. And again, you never want to say never. So that could could easily change but uh you know as of right now their plan is to run this back that's certainly the sense i've gotten and i mean you talked you know just briefly touching on some of the brooklyn stuff as a brooklynite and a new yorker here definitely will add to that very briefly like you touched on those other tradable assets that the lakers had and the nets wanted um austin reeves you know who we'll touch on was one of those guys that came up i had heard you know among the people that wanted to keep Austin Reeves in LA was Jeannie Buss. So um, that's certainly a good advocate to have on your side um, if you're a Laker. And I mean, look, we'll we'll certainly touch on um, Austin and those other guys you mentioned about uh, being retained for the Lakers down the line. But, you know, a lot of this obviously depends on uh, the return of LeBron James. And a lot of these guys fit well around him, but you're going to need LeBron there. So, Yovan, when you do your digging on this situation. Um, what have you heard as far as a potential timeline for LeBron to come back? Do you think he will be able to make it back to the court at some point before the end of the regular season, which is kind of nearing around the corner? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's sounding like if he does, it's probably going to be the last week or so of the regular season. Uh, you know, maybe last week and a half. Uh, you hear conflicting things and, and you know, th- this has been one of the, 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 the tougher things to kind of dig on where th- there's just, I, I think that the Lakers have, have really played this close to the best and um, you know, that there's just been not much out there on it. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think a couple notable notable uh, n- uh, notable developments this week were, you know, one, he returned to the team without the walking boot uh, over the weekend and, you know, in between uh, quarters is, you know, dribbling the ball and, uh, you know, shooting layups. And it was all stationary. He wasn't jumping or anything, but didn't look like a guy who, you know, remember it was like, you know, in a walking boot, limping a bit, um, you know, arrived to to Staples and, uh, you know, one of those like little scooter things uh, when you have the broken leg. So, like, I, I feel like he, he's already, you know, ahead of schedule from from that perspective. Uh, and then shoot around in, in New Orleans was shooting free throws and, and moving around. Uh, so the, the plan is to reevaluate him next week, which will be about the three, three and a half week mark since uh, the injury. And then uh, at that point, I think we'll have a little bit more clarity in terms of is there a, another reevaluation process of, you know, another week, another couple weeks, or do they have a set 
timetable. Uh, I feel like it's probably going to be another reevaluation process, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how things continue to develop. Uh, you know, he, he took a couple games away from the team. Uh, went, went to Bronny's CIF game. Uh, but was just kind of a way mentally recharging uh, and, and resting. So I, I think from what I've heard, it, it's probably around the final week of the regular season is kind of the, the target, but it, it's still, there's still a lack of clarity there where it could be, you know, a couple of weeks. It, it could be basically the, the play in tournament if they're in that or, or, you know, the first round, if they somehow get up to five or six. Uh, but it, it, I've heard different things from different people and it, it's really one of those situations where I think they're, they're being extra cautious in terms of the information they let out, uh, but also how they handle this because they know uh, LeBron's 38, it's year 20. And the last thing you want to do is rush him back. And I mean, the Lakers kind of had something similar to this with Anthony Davis uh, in 2021 in that playoff series with the Suns, where they, they you know brought him back for that game six when it, it kind of was a little bit too soon on the timeline. And he clearly just couldn't go, uh, you know, in the beginning of that game, and and you know basically had to had to sit out the rest of it. So I think th- they don't want to bring. I mean, the last thing you want to do is is uh, bring LeBron back too soon, have him suffer some type of setback or, or you know re injury or, or whatever. And uh, you know this has been something that he's been dealing with for a while. Uh, you know, dating back a couple months, and, and it got worse in that Dallas situation. So. I think they're going to be extra cautious with it. And, you know, they're also kind of able to because they're winning. And, uh, you know, maybe if they go on a skid, you you see him kind of push to to come back sooner. But as long as they're able to continue to ascend up the standings, I don't really think there's a rush to get him back other than establishing that continuity before the postseason. I agree. And I mean, look, I think in a backwards way, him... I know he's hurt, but him getting that rest, I think is going to energize him more for the playoffs when you really need him most. And um, he's certainly developing some nice chemistry with D'Angelo Russell on the bench with the ice in the vein celebration. I got a, I got a kick out of that. And, um, you know, Woj touched on it a little bit for ESPN, and I'm sure others have as well. But I've also heard, you know, look, D'Lo wants to be that guy for the future for the team that, that drafted him and kind of, fulfill those expectations they had years ago. He's a different guy now. He's much older. He's much more mature as a person. And, you know, I could speak to this when he was here in Brooklyn. Um, Nobody knows how to lock in more when it's a a free agent time than D'Lo. He played some of his best basketball in Brooklyn before getting that huge deal. And uh, he's doing it now for the Lakers, shooting the ball efficiently and, you know, leading that offense right now. Um, You know, Yovan, when you look at D'Lo um, this time around with the Lakers, um, do you also get the sense that uh, that he wants to be back? And, and how has he thrived with L.A. this time around? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I, I, think, I, I think those feelings are mutual. Uh, you know, I, I know the Lakers didn't make that deal. I mean, part of it was getting off of, of Russ and, and his contract and, and just getting out of that situation, but you know, they could have, you know, potentially had Mike Conley in that deal. And they looked at D'Angelo Russell as someone that could be their point guard of the future. And potentially that lead ball handler, third star type uh, that, that could fit around AD and LeBron and, and really, um, you know, obviously not to the caliber that Russ was even a couple of years ago, necessarily, but a much better fit. And, and you, you've seen that with, the three-point shooting, the, the pick-and-roll play, 
Um, you know, I, I think the gravity that he has, like you just defend a D'Angelo Russell pick and roll, you know, differently than you defend a Russell Westbrook pick and roll. And uh, I, I think his uh, his maturity, you know, it was kind of the the first thing he talked about in his introductory press conference after the deadline was like, you know, I basically came here as a boy. You know, he came uh, to the Lakers at, at 19. He's like, now I'm back as a grown man. Uh, you know, he just turned 27. Like, he he's had time to mature. He he's been traded uh, multiple times. He he's you know seen different sides of success and and making the playoffs and and also uh, you know being on lottery teams. He's been the guy. He, he's been the sidekick. He, he's been you know the number three option even in, in certain situations. So like. I think he's he, he's just coming in with with you know a different perspective than he he did uh, with the Lakers the first time around and, and really I think lower expectations because being the number two pick in, in 2015 uh, you know obviously you, you know he's getting compared to James Harden and, and you know different guys uh, of that caliber and um, you know the Lakers at that time you know were, were kind of going through some dysfunction and and that was kind of the low point. Uh, of the franchise, you know, over the past decade or so, where it was, you know, twenty something win seasons and and missing the playoffs and his rookie years, Kobe's final year, and it's 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 the Kobe show, and uh, he he just didn't really get, I think, a, a fair crack at it that I, I think he's he's kind of getting now. So um, ultimately, I think that the biggest thing is just going to be, you know, how does he perform down the stretch of the regular season? How does he perform in the postseason? Uh, and and how does he fit and complement LeBron and AD? But um, you know, for, from what I've been told, uh, the Lakers have very strong interest in in re-signing him. Uh, I believe it's mutual on, on both sides, and it's just going to come down to, you know, what type of what type of deal th- does that look like? Is it a two year deal where you know they're kind of matching his timeline to LeBron and AD? Is it a longer thing where we're just saying, you're, if you're the Lakers, you're, you're saying uh, he's our point guard of the future, and and you know we're committing to him long term, three year deal, four year deal, but uh, the the Interest is mutual, and you know, thus far, especially since his injury and, and since he's come back, you know, those first couple games, sixty-one points combined. Uh, you know, hit I, I forgot 11, 12 threes, uh, was shooting sixty percent. Like that's not going to be sustainable, but it, it showed that you know th- this is his potential w- with this group, and and he can step up when LeBron's out. So uh, I think so far, it, the, you know, the partnership has gone about as well as possible. I think it's interesting with him, just in the sense that. Um, yeah, you talked about it the first time around, uh, you know, about not getting a fair crack at it. I always remember the iconic Jimmy Kimmel moment with Kobe sitting down, watching him flail his arms and the look of <laughs> just a blank stare on his face of, uh, what's happened with Lakerland. But yeah, I mean, where, what his value is going to be is interesting because when he was in Minnesota, I mean, first of all, like just for context, D'Lo this year is making a little over $31 million and, you know, when they had early, early talks about even the thought of a potential extension from Minnesota, I got the sense it was somewhere, maybe it would have been in the 20s. Uh, I don't think it would have been high 20s, probably lower to mid at that point. And I'm curious where he's going to fall because they, they were far apart. So I'm curious what he thinks his value is in the Lakers ultimately looking ahead. But, you know, time will tell on that. Some other guys we got to look at for the Lakers ahead towards free agency, um, Austin Reeves. Now, you know, he's gotten a lot of different nicknames, some from Shaq, some on basketball reference are pretty good, but 
you know, f- uh, from what I've heard, uh, and, I, and I had spoken to Austin earlier uh, this season when the Lakers came to town, um, both Austin Reeves and the Lakers want to uh, get a deal done, I've, I've been told. And now with that said, now I've also heard multiple teams have Reeves on their free agency radar. Um, he's been a guy that's played efficiently and the Lakers can offer him up to four years, 50 million and something to keep an eye on in my opinion would be uh, a tail and Horton Tucker, maybe type of contract that can make sense for both sides, maybe a two plus one. Um, you know, I think for him, the mid-level exception uh, is his kind of floor. I think he feels like safe that he can get that somewhere. And, and you know, this as well as anyone, Jovan, um, and, and you saw it with the Russell Westbrook trade talks, um, you know, other teams don't mind being used as leverage against the uh, the Lakers as a big market team. And, um, you know, this season, he's Austin Reeves has played well as a lead facilitator and an efficient scorer for the second unit. So when you look ahead towards your crystal ball for him in the summer, uh, what do you see getting done there? Yeah, well, I think this is a similar situation to, to D'Lo in, in terms of, as, as you said, uh, you know, multiple interests or I mean, interest on both sides, mutual interests on both sides. Uh, but but also there, there's going to be multiple suitors for for Reeves. Like I, I think his season's kind of flown under the radar at times, where you can really make a case, and and I would make this case. Like on balance, he's been the Lakers' third best player this season. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you know some people might hear that and and kind of you know roll their eyes or, or gasp at that, but like that that's legitimately like you know be, before the the Westbrook uh, trade, uh, I think that was you know definitely the case. Obviously. Delos come in, you know, play well. Jared Vanderbilt's had some good moments. Uh, so I, I think there's maybe more competition uh, for that that kind of title. But, uh, you know, obviously behind LeBron and AD, he's been the most dependable role player uh, in the rotation. And I think he's established himself as uh, someone who is either capable of being a starting shooting guard in this league or being a, a sixth man type where he's leading a second unit uh, but you know, closing a lot of games, and that's kind of the role the Lakers have used him in. Where um, you know he's he's not always uh, he hasn't started many games this season, but he's closed the majority of them and has kind of played everything from point guard to small forward. Uh, can defend multiple positions and just a really smart, you know, high IQ basketball player. But also, I think has has really regressed to uh, is mean in terms of, uh, you know, his shooting where this year shooting 39.5% on threes was, was a 50, 40, 90 guy, uh, for, you know, the early part of the season, it was just him and Steph Curry. So, you know, he, he's a, he's an efficient player. Uh, he, he's someone that, uh, Darvin Ham is referred to as a Swiss army knife this season. Uh, he, again, he can play on the ball, off the ball, defend multiple positions, um, you know, grew up playing point guard. So he, he has those ball handling chops, but obviously it's, it's probably a little bit more of a shooting guard, just given the Lakers already having LeBron D'Lo, you know, Dennis Schroeder off the bench. Like they've, they've used him more in that kind of two, three role, but um, he's someone that I think, you know, th- this is kind of lining up to potentially be another Alex Caruso situation where he wants to be there and the Lakers want to retain him. But if, you know, they try to get a little too cute with, with the offer or uh, kind of the negotiation. Like I could see him potentially leaving and going somewhere where he's going to get the full, uh, you know, non-taxpayer mid-level, I think at a minimum. And I would not be surprised if he got even some cap space 
uh, into like the 12 to 15 million range from a team. So I think he, he's probably the most interesting free agent for the Lakers. Uh, I think some, some of the, some of these situations are kind of straightforward and, and it's just kind of clear of what can be offered and, and you know, what, what's kind of the market for this player. But Austin t- to me is, is probably just the most interesting because I, I think he's going to have a lot of suitors. I think he can plug in to a lot of different situations as both a starter or a key bench guy. And I think the Lakers now have this history of like, uh, you know, you mentioned Taylor Horton Tucker, like, you know, they didn't explicitly choose Taylor over Alex Caruso, but you know, they, they kind of did in, in terms of, you know, prioritizing him and uh, just the tax implications there. And um, you know, so I, I think it, it's going to come down to like how, how much do they prioritize Austin versus some of their other free agents and, um, you know, I think he should be toward the top of that list, if, if not at the top. So um, I'm really interested to see how th- this all plays out. But uh, for me, if I'm the Lakers, I, I, you know, I'm offering him that that four year, uh, you know, $50 million deal and, and, and trying to get that done uh, just because I, I don't think you want to lose him and kind of have Alex Caruso 2.0. I certainly hear you on that aspect. I think for Austin Reeves on, on his side of things, it'll be interesting to see if he gets maybe even a shorter deal than that in the sense of, I think a lot of teams, excuse me, a lot of players are going to be looking ahead towards the cap going up and saying, hmm, can I get a piece of that pie coming up down the line? Look what happened, you know, when the Kent Bazemore, uh, the Timothy Mozgov contracts were signed when the cap went up uh, for different situations around the league and there was that spike you know, players are going to want to capitalize on that. I think that's also something potentially the Lakers may have to figure out and, you know, touch on a couple of more of these guys that they're going to have to look to sign. Uh, one of them was a guy they traded for and, and Rui Hachimura and, you know, Rui Hachimura is expected to prioritize years and money and restricted free agency. So after trading away three second round picks to acquire Hachimura, the Lakers would seemingly have optical pressure to match a potential offer sheet and they clearly value him as a player. Um, I'm kind of curious to see if the Lakers just offer him something or they let the market dictate itself uh, for Rui. He's, he's been solid for them um, since he's come over. What do you foresee, brother? Yeah, I think this is another situation where it's kind of straightforward. I think the Lakers are going to try to retain him. Um, I do think, you know, the, what I had heard initially when they acquired him was like, I mean, there was some reporting about him turning down that extension offer from Washington. Uh, I forgot if it was in training camp or just like right before the season. Uh, but I, th- I think that was a, uh, off the top of my head, if, I, if I'm remembering the figure correctly, it was something like three years, 30 plus million. You know, it was definitely double digit years. And, and he, I mean, uh, double-digit annual value, and and he felt he was worth more than that. Um, you know, to me, that I think that's probably around his range. Like, I I think it's 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 probably around the the taxpayer, uh, or I mean, the uh, the non-taxpayer MLE, where you know I, I think something in that you know two twenty, uh, three thirty, like th- that's probably mo- like if you're just looking at his numbers um, in Washington versus LA. They're they're almost identical uh, across the board, with, with the one thing being he, he's scoring a little bit less, but that's obviously uh, you know he's playing a little bit more of a marginal role in the offense. I will say he, he's played better the last like week week and a half. He's looked a lot more comfortable. 
uh, in the offense. It's something Darvin Ham has talked about. It's something his teammates have talked about. So if he continues that level of play, I could see him potentially you know, edging north of that 10 million mark. But um, I, I also think like, you know, the, the Lakers kind of ran into this issue with Kyle Kuzma where, um, you know, there's just kind of a limit to his ceiling when he plays the same position as LeBron and AD. And that's kind of the same thing with Rui where like, uh, I mean, yes, you can kind of play all three of them together and, and the Lakers have done that. But I think if you have a, a Jared Vanderbilt, uh, you potentially retain a, a Mo Bamba or, or just add another backup center. Like there's only so many minutes and there's only so much money to to go around uh, on your roster. So if you're re-signing D'Angelo, uh, if you're re-signing Austin, uh, if you're, you know, exercising, you know, potentially the team option on, on Malik Beasley, like at some point there is a little bit of a money crunch and to have an, an offensive minded, uh, kind of scoring forward. I, I just, I, I don't know where that ranks on the priority list. Um, and, and now to your point, they, they gave up three second round picks and, and, uh, you know, kind of punted on, on the Kendrick Nunn situation, which, uh, was a guy they were high on and, and, you know, spent the, uh, taxpayer MLE on. So, you know, they have gone into the the Rui Hachimura business and and they've invested in this situation. Uh, but I, I do think in, in terms of some of the other priorities, like you have a, a guy, for example, in Troy Brown, who I think has, has had a really underrated season uh, emerging as a 3 and D wing, shooting 40% on threes since December. Uh, like, is that a guy maybe you prioritize with the uh, taxpayer MLE or, or, you know, somewhere in that range versus Rui at like 10 to 12 million a year? So, I think Rui is where it starts to get into like, I think the Lakers are probably going to make him an offer around that 10 million. And if he's looking for more or, or another team is willing to come in and, and make a, a bigger offer, uh, they, they might be willing to walk away. But um, I, I do know, you know, they invested in him. Obviously uh, they were high enough on him to, to trade those three second round picks and, and they do want to keep him. I, I just think he, he might ultimately be, a, you know, a casualty depending on how the, the rest of the off season goes. A couple other guys to keep an eye on as we look ahead. You got Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba. Um, from what I've heard, Lakers executive Rob Palenka has had interest in Beasley for a while. And this could be more than just a short-term thing since he has a $16.5 million team option for next season. Um, you know, Beasley is loving it in LA. He's starting on a winning team. and He's getting a chance to play with LeBron more here soon. You know, Mo Bamba's got like a, a little over $10 million in salary that's non-guaranteed for next season. Uh, the Lakers could get a backup center for cheaper than that, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's a bit more on the bubble in terms of his future uh, with the Lakers. I, from your vantage point, and, and maybe it's too early to say, but if you had to peg it today, um, do you think LA picks up Beasley's team option and effectively uh, – you know, what do they do with Mo Bamba and his uh, non-guaranteed salary there? I, I do think they pick up Beasley's team option. I, I think it's just one of those situations where you don't really have the means to replace him. And, and I, I think as, as you saw in, in Tuesday's game against the Pelicans, like he can go off for, uh, you know, seven threes uh, and a half and, and really, you know, light a team up and, uh, you know, of course, there's going to be those those two for eight performances like he had against the Knicks. Uh, but I think he's just someone that the Lakers like. He's the best shooter the Lakers have had in the LeBron eighty era. Uh, I don't think it's debatable. Uh, it, you know, just in terms of 
the the number of attempts he's willing to get up, his confidence, and also his percentage. I mean, he he's been uh, you know shooting high thirties on you know seven eight attempts uh, a game for the last several years. So uh, you know, I, I think ultimately I, I'm interested in like what his role is down the road. Like I, I think um, you know, like 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 for me, I, I think Austin probably makes a little bit more sense as a starter, although. They are looking at Malik kind of in that in that shooting role, that that JJ Redick type role, um, and, and I guess you know from that perspective, he, he probably suits that a little bit better than than Austin does. But uh, I think they're going to try to retain you know D'Lo, Austin, and Malik. Uh, all, you know, all three guys are mid twenties. Um, they they all complement LeBron well. They all can play on and off the ball. Um, you know, I think you know one thing I highlighted in in my story from the Pelicans game was like. Malik was on fire and he was still making the extra pass to his teammates. And uh, like, I, I think that's something that like, he's, he, he's a bit of a gunner, but he's not one of those gunners that's just going to come in and take like, you know, 15 shots in like 20 minutes. Like he, he's, he's taken a lot of shots. Like, don't get me wrong, but I, I think he's, he's also making the extra pass when it makes sense. And, and, you know, he, he's not one of those inefficient guys who's just chucking. So, uh, to me, I, I think that the Lakers, you know, for, from what I've heard, the Lakers, uh, like, I think the number's a little high where if he were a free agent right now, I don't think he would get that 16 million, but, you know, he'd probably get in that eight to 12 million range. And like, w- when it's just a few million, like, yes, there's tax implications and, and yes, it all adds up. But I do think the Lakers don't have a path to replacing him. Uh, they've desperately needed an elite shooter around LeBron and AD. They finally have one. And I don't think they're going to give that up. Uh, Mo, that situation is a little bit tricky, and and I think it's it's unfortunate that he got injured and is going to be out the the multiple weeks just because I think he had started to kind of find his groove as a backup five. Um, he has a really unique skill set as a three and D seven footer, uh, where offensively he he could really space the floor, and I, I think gave some gravity to to those second unit lineups. And then obviously we we know about his size and, and his rim protection and what he can do defensively. So I, I think. He makes a lot of sense as a backup center, but the Lakers aren't really going to to see that uh, until potentially the postseason. So it's kind of hard to make a decision. And, um, you know, so I I could see them leaning toward just keeping him, but $10 million is still $10 million. Like that, that's not a, you know, a trivial amount of money. So he could also be someone I see as a potential casualty, uh, you know, and, and not as much of a priority as, as a D'Lo, as an Austin, as a Malik, as a Rui. Uh, so that, that one to me is probably going to come down to like, he, he's more of a domino guy where, you know, what happens with Austin? What happens with D'Lo? What happens with Rui? You know, are those guys retained? What, what do those contracts look like? And then if it, if it makes sense to, uh, you know, keep Mo. And I forgot when exactly the, the guarantee date is. Um, so, you know, I, I could be misspeaking on that but i believe it's i i don't know off the top of my head but uh if it's i'm pretty sure it's gonna be tricky i'm pretty sure it's june 29th so it would be before it would be before free agency so in that case i i think it's just probably gonna come down to you know where they think that their confidence is in retaining some of those guys um i guess i wouldn't be surprised if if they don't pick up the option in that case but uh i think again they want to run it back for the most part with this group. And I think that this group has already shown that it's much better, you know, arguably than, than any roster they've had around LeBron and AD aside from the championship year. And I think, you know, with a lot of these guys being mid to late twenties, 
uh, that they want to keep this going for at least a couple more years. Exciting times right now in LA and exciting times for you writing about this team and covering them. Uh, I'll be reading. I would encourage all my listeners to do the same as well. I appreciate you coming on, brother. It's always a pleasure to see you in person and chat with you off uh, off air, but especially on air when we can do a little dive on uh, Lakers Nation. Appreciate it, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. Also want to thank everybody else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, and executives, and media members like Yovan Buha, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yovan too. He's at Yovan Buha. That's J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scott, wishing you and yours all the best.